mother, even the most motherless among us. She has a spirit about her that immediately draws you into a sense of peace and joy. And so our elders have decided to bestow on her and to empower her with the title of campus minister as well. And so we get to bring her up and commission her. I'm going to ask our elders to come up, please. (laughs) Nice. Now, they're clapping. They have no idea this is a huge responsibility. But yes, our elders are going to come up, and and Trey is going to speak some words and, and a word of blessing over her. So I was kind to Casey. I did not make him say anything. You're welcome. You're welcome. They are such a good team and a good family, and we are blessed to have them. Hey, thank you to all the participants this morning who've been able to be a little flexible. I really appreciate your help and your work. Thank you, Jeff, for letting me butt in at the very last minute. Appreciate that. Um, When I was a teenager, I uh, had started a long-distance relationship with a girl who I knew across the Metroplex. I may be speaking too much about myself to you, but uh, this was back then before social media. Just remember, no social media at this point. We had to actually get a Metro phone line, which cost extra, so we could call from a different town to another town across. It It was a big deal, right? So I had developed a relationship with a girl. I met her once, you know, and she was, she was pretty, and we struck it off really well, and we started talking on the phone for weeks, because that's what you did. You actually talked, voice, you know, you heard them, and it wasn't text, and so we did that. So uh, we finally decided we're going to go on a date, and uh, we were going to meet at Six Flags. She lived in Richardson. I lived in Arlington, so my, my mom dropped me off at Six Flags. And uh, I found a bench, and I sat there, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And it came, became apparent to me at some point that I had been stood up. Yeah, there's no empathetic people here. <laughs> Man, y'all are looking at me like, yeah, so that's not unusual. <laughs> Tell us something surprising. Um, So I got stood up, you know, and I, I, fortunately I wasn't alone because there was a girl on the bench across from me who was also stood up. Can you believe people these days? Standing people up, you know, and I eventually went on in. We met our friends. I I met my friends and, and I got home that night and I called her and I said, where were you? She says, I was there. Where were you? Yeah. Apparently I was right across from her on a bench. Social media is good in some ways. You actually remember what people look like. <laughs> it only been a few weeks. And I had an idea of what you look like, but apparently I didn't recognize her, so missed out on a great day. I, I mean, she was right there in front of me, from, from me to you, from me to Luke, right there. Did not recognize her at all. And it made me wonder, how many times are we right in front of something and we're not able to recognize it. 
Oh, I've said too much about myself. We begin a new study today, and I enter into this with the belief that some of us may be in this exact same situation with Jesus. We've spoken to Him. We've gone throughout life with an idea of who He is and what He's all about to the point where we think we already know Him. At least we know the image we have in our minds, but... But whenever that moment comes, when the moment comes when we're faced with Him, will we recognize Him? One question you've heard me ask probably several times is, is when we get a chance to meet Jesus in heaven, if He doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes, are we going to recognize Him? The truth is, there's still so much more we have yet to learn about Jesus and His Father. So today, we begin a study on Jesus. I have a lot of slides today. Sorry you won't get to see them until you get home and watch it online. <clears throat> but we'll be looking at different aspects of who Jesus is, and, and I hope that, that we'll be able to help each other see Jesus a little bit more clearly. And so I wanted to start with something very simple. Well, let's start with his name. Okay, the name Jesus comes from that Greek word, Jesus. Uh, that's, that's this translation of the Greek, uh, of his Hebrew name. Um, that it was written in New Testament Greek, so they had to translate the name Jesus into to Greek. So they they chose Jesus and the word uh, Christos, Jesus Christos. Christos means Messiah. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. So when we think of uh, Jesus, what images usually come to mind? You know, for me, the most familiar image was that one that was, that was painted, and it was probably in every home that you could possibly think of. Um, if you have your phone, you want to look it up, you can. Warner Salmon, uh, it's this white Jesus pensively looking off into space, just looking, calm, placid. We have in the 70s, remember that Jesus film in the 70s? We have this, this one man who was um, uh, just really sad. It seemed like he was sad all the time. But he had these deep blue eyes. It was a famous film. It got people thinking. And in the last decade, we've been introduced to Jim Caviezel as Jesus. A little bit more Hebrew in nature. But we aren't the only culture trying to figure out who Jesus is. We aren't the only culture trying to, to, to figure out what he looked like. And I don't think we'll really be the last either. Because since the very beginning, there have been countless images of Jesus. There have been paintings, there have been mosaics, there has been, uh, Cuba is a brand new mission field. There 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 are Christians and gospel ministers in Cuba right now, and it is ripe. But they have this image of Jesus, and the Jesus in Cuba has a gun on his back. There have been some that have a Jesus who is black. They'll have that in their homes. There's also some that are Middle Eastern and look a little bit more like the people that we see on the news today. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with this necessarily. It's nothing new because we've been trying to figure this out for ourselves since Jesus came on the scene back in 04 or 4, negative 4 BC, whenever that was. Zero, let's just go with zero. 
I think it's okay, but I think sometimes what has happened in our culture is that we've assimilated him so much, we've appropriated for ourselves um, Jesus so much to the point where uh, you've got to look at this online today, but there's this statue that someone built that is a thumbs up, everything's okay, Jesus. It's exactly what he's doing. So what I would like to do today, as we start this study, is to start by looking at who Jesus was. Because what we do know is that Jesus wasn't Greek, he wasn't Roman, wasn't Caucasian. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man with olive skin from a very Jewish family. Yes, Jesus was Jewish, it's okay to, to go there. Our name for Jesus is in the Greek, that's kind of what we get from Jesus, but but his given name, Hebrew name, was Yeshua. This is the name I'll be using, hopefully, throughout the study. I'll go in back and forth between Jesus and Yeshua. And I do this because I want us to look past what we think we already know, and I want us to begin to see him with new eyes. So in Matthew chapter 1, that's where we're going to be. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. It's not going to be on the screen up here. Or turn your phones on, however you do that. We're going to start in verse 18, and this is that passage you usually hear at Christmas, but we're going, to, we're going to talk about it today. We're not going to fully unpack this text, but there's a few things I want us to kind of cling to. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You will give him the name Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua means salvation. Another form is God saves. A similar form of of that name is Yehoshua, which is Joshua. But it means God saves. It means salvation. Names mattered in that day. They still do. What does it say in in Proverbs 22? A good name is more desirable than great riches. Your name had meaning back then. It was loaded. Uh, Abraham means father of many nations. Uh, Moses, uh, Isaac means laughter. Because, you know, when you really think about it, a hundred-year-old woman giving birth for the very first time, it's amazing and kind of funny. Moses means drawn forth because that's what the Pharaoh's daughter did. She drew this baby from the water. Yeshua means salvation. Um, It's a form of God saves because this child, this Jewish child, was going to be the salvation of all people. Yeshua's mother is Mary, Hebrew name Miriam. Father, Joseph, Hebrew name Yosef. Mary was 
related to a long line of priestly families. And Yosef was a direct descendant from King David himself. King David, who reigned a thousand years earlier. And although Yeshua was born in the small town of Bethlehem right outside of Jerusalem, his hometown of Nazareth was in northern Israel, about 90 miles from Jerusalem. And this is where Yeshua grew up. A Middle Eastern Jewish boy in the midst of a Jewish town in Israel. And he was born right in the middle of one of the most righteous, uh, religious time periods in history. And Israel, although it was occupied by Rome, was at its height of religious practice. God was at the center of family, of center of culture, center of education. In fact, every boy and girl went through education until they were probably 12 years old. They all learned and memorized the Torah, memorized the Psalms. Um, the boys would go on later, but up until they were 12, they would learn their father's trade and they would learn the Scripture. That was part of their learning. It was their learning. And if you had the skills to continue, then you would go on. If you didn't, you'd just start working for your father in his trade or business. But Yeshua had the skills. Remember when he was 12 and he was having those conversations with those teachers of the law and the temple courts? They were amazed at this boy and his knowledge. These people, they spent thousands of years talking about God and thinking about God and praying to God and, and arguing about who knew Him best. And somewhere along the way, they lost the ability to recognize Him. They were so wrapped up in the other things that they, they lost their image of, of God. So when God decided to show up in the form of a child, the image greatly conflicted with the image that God had, of God that they had had and had created over these years and years and years. Remember in, first, in John 1, 9-11, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yeshua came to save His people, the chosen ones, Israel. These religious and knowledgeable religious leaders were the ones who should have known what God looked like. They prayed and they went through the motions, but their hearts, they wandered. I think they stopped reading to discover. They started reading to defend what it is they already thought they knew. They stopped praying in faith and just probably at some point thought, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Scripture does like to point out the faithful ones. You know, in Matthew, it says that Joseph was, was observant of the law. He was faithful. In the uh, common Jewish Bible, the complete Jewish translation, it says that, that Joseph was true to the Torah. He, uh, he did what was right. Because to them, doing what was right was doing what God wanted you to do. But somewhere... The majority of these leaders had lost sight of who Jesus or who God was to the point where they not only rejected him, but they killed him. And in all of their conversations, they stopped discovering and began to create God in a different image, in their image. And God, or the idea of God, it became something else. Because when it comes right down to it, when we can't understand Yeshua, when we can't understand Jesus fully or God fully, we try to fix Him. 
We even try to restore him. So there's a woman in Spain in her 80s. She had been attending church for most of her life. It was in a small town in Spain. The old church had served as this center for the, for the community. A place where they could go and, and pray and encounter God and, and Jesus. And, and sure, they encountered Him through prayer and, and experience. But there was also a famous painting there, painted by this Spanish painter named Elias Garcia Martinez. And oh, it was something that just the people were so proud of. It was a fresco on the wall, about this big. But over the years, as things kind of tend to happen, it kind of started to deteriorate. And they were all asking themselves, how do we restore this? It's, it, it's the thing that brings our town together. How do, we, how do we restore this? Because it started getting splotchy. And, and Jesus, you could still see his face, but, but it was just wearing thin. So this woman in her 80s, an artist in her own right, took it upon herself. I will help this town. I will restore this painting. Well, as they saw her walking in with the paints, the priest is like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll be fine. Let us manage this. So she stayed and kind of took it upon herself to fix this painting. I really wish you could see this. The image turned from a picture of Jesus to something that more resembles a monkey. Can y'all see that in the back? Sorry for all in the very back. It is nothing like what the original Jesus looked like. It's blurry, it's splotchy, it's a little bit fuller and puffier, and I can, you can barely resemble, see a face. But the town was mortified because this woman had painted Jesus in her own image. I don't know what Jesus looked like, but I can probably say for certain it didn't look like that. And we laugh, and when you see this later, I encourage you to go online and watch it. We laugh, but I think sometimes, I believe that the image of Jesus that we have is sometimes just as unrecognizable. Remember WWJD, what would Jesus do? It was this thing that swept over the nation, and I believe that it really did some great things. It, it caused a lot of people to ask themselves some very basic questions, and some of us even searched Scripture to try to figure out what would Jesus do. But it eventually became a cliche. It became a punchline, and, and probably because many people, they stopped really seeking out what Jesus would do, and they started to insert their own personal Jesus into what would my own personal Jesus do, WWMOPJD. As we all know, our own personal Jesus is, well, it tends to be a little bit more judgmental and less loving. Or no judgment at all and no discernment at all. So anything goes as long as you're okay and you don't, and you don't push your agenda on me and you're kind. Or our own personal Jesus tends to be more of a pacifist, weak, non-intrusive, or highly intrusive, strict and harsh. Or he's the one who's so perfect and unreach that he's unreachable. You know, you don't even want to come to church because you've done something wrong and you think he's going to punish you. Or so close that he looks like us and acts like us. 
And what I will say again, I've said this before too, is that if Yeshua looks like you, uh, talks like you, votes like you, has the same friends like you, and while ignoring the same people that we ignore, it might not be the real Yeshua we're following. So what's the reason here? The reason is we have an inherent problem that keeps us from seeing God on our own, keeps us from seeing the real Yeshua, and it's sin. It's classic, do what I want to, when I want to, without caring who I hurt in the process. Want what I want, will do anything to get what I want. That's sin. Sin is killing all of us, slowly, methodically, and yes, it's not our fault. We were born into this. We were born into a following, a followed fallen world and we've been forced to face this darkness since we were children sin is killing us you need to realize this sin is killing us but god's plan all along since the very beginning has been to save us to save the world because he loves he loves and it's not a thumbs up, everything's okay kind of love. It's sacrifice and it's difficult and it's painful sometimes. It's sacrifice so he could save. So God sent Yeshua. He sent us salvation. And the name Yeshua comes with all the power and authority of heaven and earth. It comes with love. It comes with redemption. It comes with mercy and forgiveness. And it comes with a brand new life. And it comes offered for free we simply have to believe believe as if our life depended on it we have to believe the one who was given us by God because only he can save us our own personal Jesus man that falls woefully short to save us because if it didn't why are we still struggling with some of the same sins we're still struggling with? The things that we can't quite let go of. Those things that have control over you. What are those things? I, I would love to say, just shout it out. <laughs> I don't think we'll be able to do that. But we all know we've got those things that we can't quite let go of. Those things that are killing us. The things that send you over the edge. The things in your life that are keeping you from experiencing joy and peace and love. Well, there's good news for you. Yeshua has been born. Yeshua is salvation. And Yeshua is salvation for you, and it is for me, here and right now. So today, as we begin this series, I want to challenge you to stop trying to fix Yeshua. Stop trying to restore Him, to make Him more palatable. And this week, I'm just going to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray and encourage you to start looking for God, looking for Jesus through Scripture, through prayer, and ask God to help you see so that when you come face to face with Him, you'll be able to recognize Him. Now, we can't do this on our own. This is why God has sent us the Holy Spirit, that Spirit that was with God in the very beginning, the Spirit that was above and hovered over the waters. The Spirit that is in us now, if you have chosen to follow, 
Yeshua is salvation. And my prayer is that you find it and you accept it and you engage, participate. Now, some of us probably have a great idea of who Jesus is, a very realistic idea. Great. I'm going to encourage you to start sharing that with people. For the most of us, pray that God helps us to see Jesus for who he is so that we can follow and give our life completely and fully. In a moment, we're going to stand. We have elders all in our room. They would love to pray with you and for you. They would even love to, they might even come to you first. I'll be down here with Shelly. We would love to pray with you. I know we're bound by things that are keeping us back. I'm going to pray that you just try to release that today. Find someone, pray, and ask that God helps you to see him for who he really is. Let's stand together and let's sing. Morning, by encouraging you to, let's just start in the biggest part of what Jesus says in Scripture, that is the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to encourage you this week to just start there. So Matthew 5 through 7, start reading from Matthew 5, verse 1, and go through the end of 7. Read it several times if you have to. Read it in sections, however you do. But pray that God opens your eyes, and let's, let's hear what Jesus has to say. And over the next five weeks, we will be hearing from him. And my prayer is that he shows up in a way that we've not experienced yet, perhaps. I love you. Thank you for being here. God is good. God is good. Amen.